Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog tree. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great collars, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything like that they have at the kennel. We use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtree.com. Listen for the discount code later in the episode. Hey, guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. Hitscanine.net. Hitscanine.net. Get registered now. Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at kineticdogfood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at kineticdogfood. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning. We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it. You want from mild to wild. They'll come bring it to your place, set it down on your pad, hook up your power, hook up your water, and you can put dogs in it that day. If you don't believe me, check out some guys like uh, Justin Rigney. He's got a great setup there. Ask him. Check him out, horizonstructures.com. All right, everybody, Working Dog Radio broadcasting The Bite. We are back with another great episode. As usual, I'm Eric Stambro. As usual. Like I'm always there. <laughs> Somebody <Buckets>. else. <laughs> well, there goes YouTube monetization. I cussed in the first 30 seconds. So, um, anyways, uh, I'm coming to you from uh, Canton, Ohio, uh, in my bedroom. As you can see, it's still light out. I love summer. It is 8:38 p.m. Eastern, and it's still pretty bright out. I love it. Um, with me, as always, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, is Ted Summers. Ted, what is going on? uh summer's officially here we went through a little bit of a uh mother nature being confused uh before i went to oregon to go do an hrd and uh it rained a bunch and then it was cold and it was hot and i came back and it's definitely uh summer the heat index was like 100 and hot yesterday i don't know mm-hmm. so uh, i had a handler school start um and got a bunch of dogs in process so we got the roof on the outdoor kennels and all the misters installed. And even though it'll, I think today it was like 90, 90 something, 90 hot. And it was nice and cool under there. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be nice. So we've got 10 outdoor runs out there or nine, nine or 10 outdoor runs out there. And, um, how much yeah. are misters? How much do those cost? Dude, they're cheap on Amazon. So it's a PVC pipe that you connect to it. And I think we spent like 50 bucks for the entire length uh, of the run. And it keeps it like it's nice and cool. I mean, you go out there and it'll be in the sun with the heat index is 110, 115 degrees. And it's, you know, 90 or 85 under the under mm-hmm. the little thing. And it's in the shade and all the dogs are asleep. They're not barking. They're not running around. They're not panting. So it's going to be nice. Uh, yeah. So other Ooh. than that, we're just fucking doing... I'm working a bunch of single purpose dogs. I got a dual purpose dog now, but I just sold like, well, depending on when this is airs. And I know when I'm recording, I have about about six that are going dual purpose dogs that are going out. So we've been in contact with Milan. So I saw you just got some from Milan, huh? Yep. Um, I got a, I got a few dogs. One of them, uh, sold immediately. He's a shepherd. Uh, his name was devil. It's Xander now. 
the agency that I have my commission with. So I retired from Canton PD. I got my commission, kept it with Alliance PD. That's who bought the dog. The the handler is a buddy of mine, Tony. He uh, it's his second dog. So we we got him. He's green, as in uh, he's on bite work. He he was on a suit. Milan had him on a suit already. Introduced us some OB. Um, I'm teaching him tracking. Dope. We're putting odor on him and things like that. So um, we just started Green Dog Green Handler because this Tony's worked his first dog for seven years. So he's a good guy, man. Good handler. Hasn't gotten yelled at. So that's pretty good, uh, which is rare for me. We are Tuesday of the second week of class, and I haven't thrown nothing or nothing. It's been good. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we're rocking and rolling. Um, there's another dog in, in that I got from the Gringo. I think Gringo most likely was started in uh, IPO, would be my guess. He, uh, he's, he had a pretty decent foundation on a lot of things. So we're teaching him stuff. He's freaking awesome. But um, I'm using him to make some videos for social media. It's uh, seventh day of training. We started last Monday, and I already have him completely off leash. Um, he can go hiking. He can do off leash recall. I can get him outing his toy off leash and waiting and let me pick it up, all, all kinds of stuff. And just kind of showing people that it doesn't take weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to do it. And if it does, you're not doing it right. So um, I've, I've thrown open on Facebook the other day or Instagram. I threw up an invitation for people, anybody who wants to come down to the fun house and learn some stuff. You know, I'm going to be there every day till the end of July with this class. Yeah, I saw that. After that, I am not um, reloading the kennel. Any dogs in August, probably going to wait till end of September. Um, just uh, the the fun house gets hot, man. It's hot. Man. Downstairs is not bad. You've been down there in that bite shop. Yeah. Some fans. It's not bad. Upstairs is a terrarium. I I would imagine it gets pretty hot in there. Our uh, I have our our air conditioner set at eighty at the kennel inside the building, and everybody's like, "God damn, eighty, But it makes this. Uh, it's bearable. I mean, like hey, we're walking around in there, not sweating. You know, the dogs aren't panting excessively, so it makes it nice. I kind of yeah. feel like Tiger King when I get my fucking electric bill, though. I think. <laughs> We'll see. I'll never financially recover. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so <laughs> what do we got going on tonight? Yeah. Speaking Tiger Kings from Oklahoma. And so was our next guest. So I don't remember which episode it was, uh, but it was recent. I think it was the FBI lady. Yeah. And I think it was too. I can't, I'm like a dickhead. I can't Sonya. remember her name. Sonia. Yeah. And um, part of the ATA group. So, and I mentioned a case that was in the news here in Oklahoma about a uh, somebody that had been missing for several years and they'd looked for his body and you know and I just kind of like off the cuff kind of mentioned it and because I don't remember what the context was but in the comments uh, somebody was like hey the handler that was actually on that case that runs the nonprofit <laughs> that found that dude is you know would tell the story if you guys want to hear it. I'm like, well, fuck yeah. So tonight, I think they said, do you want to know the real story? Like, yeah, that's what, what it was. It's right. Cause shit. all I did was like regurgitate what was on the news. Like I just kind of saw the article. I'm like, no shit. Like, look at that. And then, Oh, that's what it was. Sonia was talking about how close like people had been. She was talking about the dude out in Nevada and then nobody was looking or they were looking in the wrong place. And they were literally standing on that dude's <laughs> grave or it was something crazy. And I was like, I, yeah, that kind of happened here. kind of, sort of. And then, yeah. So they're like, Hey, do you want to hear the real story? I'm like, well, yeah, 100%. So tonight, um, from like 10 minutes from me is Bradley Morris from Oklahoma search and rescue. Um, Canine Search Oklahoma. It's a nonprofit here. Uh, search and rescue team based out of Broken Arrow. Um, 
Brad was involved from 2005 to 2015 as a handler with his first dog. And now he's got another one, uh, which he got in 2019. So tonight, uh, Brad, how, Bradley, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Yep. Doing great. Um, so give us a little bit of your background, like how we got into finding uh, dead people. And uh, I mean, it's always how do you? You're like I find dead people. Uh, it's like yeah. it's like you know the that movie with Brad Pitt, and you're like I see dead people. And you're like, well, so go ahead and give us a rundown on your background. Uh, yeah, so I've been out before 2004. I used to hike a lot in Arkansas, and one day I just realized, what would I do if I got lost? And started figuring out what people do when they get lost, and it brought me into search and rescue, and I've been in it ever since. And I don't hike anymore. I don't have time for it. But uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. I've had a dog pretty much since day one of some sort. I didn't actually start working my dog, Ruben, until uh, 2005, but I had him in 2004. So, um, and then just been doing that ever since. So, um, and it's a 501, so that's kind of the misnomer. And we've had other, like, search and rescue people on here before, and um eric can kind of like shed some light on this too because we've made comments about the amount of equipment that you guys have um and you guys aren't paid uh no, for this no. yeah so unless you're part of a fema team or like we have uh four dogs here in tulsa with task force one yeah uh shelby and jeff and those and, and those dudes yeah. um i they're well shelby's not a dude but um sorry yeah. shelby <laughs> she's next time she sees me she's like, what the fuck so um but you guys oh, shelby whoops your ass next time I, well maybe uh <laughs> so um yeah you guys aren't paid this is a volunteer spot right yeah. So in in missing so to separate it between disaster search and missing missing person search, right? So we don't generally do disaster work. We don't do the tornadoes, things like that. We do right. the walkaway kids, things like that. The the stuff that falls more on the police side versus the fire side. Um, so so yeah, we are an unpaid group. Um, well, we pay ourselves, but because we have to. Um, we are a nonprofit. Our equipment is expensive. We drive all over the state every weekend somewhere, burning four dollar and fifty cent a gallon gas. Um, but yeah, we don't make money. Uh, occasionally, as a nonprofit, sometimes a family will donate to us or a corporation will donate to us. But that generally just goes into things like insurance and keeping the organization running. Um, we we say that all all searchers are responsible for their own equipment simply because. The organization just can't afford to fund it. Yeah. You know, when we started doing this podcast, I didn't really know. I mean, I, when I was at the police department, I had been put in contact with a guy that had a human remains dog. We called him out a couple of times. Um, and I, I didn't really know much about uh, search and rescue. Um, we started doing this podcast and we started meeting people and interviewing them and talking to them. And then I started realizing like, the dedication that folks have because they're not paid because everything is out of pocket. Um, so at my place, the fun house, uh, it's 40,000 square feet of, we have a good time in there, but I let, we, you know, I let, um, search and rescue groups. There's probably three or four different ones between here, Michigan, Kentucky, um, different places like that, that I let use the fun house for free because I know what they're doing, their dedication is pretty high level. Um, you couldn't, and I say this all the time, I was a cop family for a long time. You can't, the cops won't come if they're not getting paid. It's not happening. 
nothing out of pocket uh, if they can avoid it. Um, canine. Uh, Sometimes even when they are paid, they don't come. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just had a group here uh, Sunday, as a matter of fact. And um, uh, one, one group of people had never been here. A couple of them had been. So they had a good time. We booked some other dates in the fall there. But um, talk about um, that. Talk about that aspect for me in search and rescue. Like, why do people do it? Honestly, um, the like the mentality and the dedication that you have to have to this. What keeps them going? You know, it's. <laughs> It dep- and a lot of it is, you know, you get calls, you find the subject, and that keeps you going. In Oklahoma, um, missing person search and rescue isn't a big business. There's there's just not a lot of calls. So the only thing that really keeps us going is the love of the work. I mean, I, whether it's working a dog or sitting here studying stats from missing searches, it's it's just you just got to have a love for it. Because um, because you may get a call, you may not. I mean, we we go sometimes four or five months without a call, then all of a sudden we'll be doing five or six calls in a month. So um, it, it's, a, it's a lot of just being willing and wanting to do it. Uh, the dogs make it easier. Uh, those, those who are in search and rescue and aren't dog handlers, I don't know how they do it. Um, I enjoy watching a dog work. So that keeps me going quite a bit. Um, and listen, for all you search and rescue people that I know, you know that I love you all. But it's the most drama-filled shit I ever saw. <laughs> yes, it is. Holy crap, search and rescue people. You got to stop. So much snippy fighting, and it's weird. They're all they're all out there for the same reason, but it's super catty and weird, and I just shrug my shoulders. Listen, law enforcement's probably right behind them of drama, in, interdepartmental, inside, internal drama. My wife always talks about it. You get all these cops together. And there's drama within minutes all the time. And uh, search and rescue seems to be that way. Not everybody, of course, but holy crap. So maybe we can work towards that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, uh, we, we, we tend to joke a search and rescue team in Oklahoma generally doesn't pa- survive past the three-year mark. But we're, <laughs> we're doing pretty good. We're at, we started in, this group started in 2014. So we're coming up on our eighth anniversary. Wow. Um, we, we have drama but <laughs> what group doesn't, but we, we seem to manage it pretty well. Um, I, I would say it's, I used to do a lot of work in churches and churches were better than SAR groups. And I would have never said that till I got in SAR. <laughs> the, the drama is amazing in SAR. It just does not stop. So let's go back and talk about your first dog. Uh, Ruben, right? GSD. Yep. Tell, tell us, tell us about him. Uh, Ruben was from Tulsa German Shepherd Rescue. I, I, uh, picked him up i want to say we we estimated him to be about 10 months and i started working him and probably within the first five months i had my first call out with him um that's not typical uh it usually takes about a year and a half as, as it does with anything uh but i was the only one in town that could take the call so i mean better than nobody i guess back then certifications weren't as important as they are now so he was not certified at the time he he later got certified um and uh, he was he was a great dog. He did several missions for uh, dementia patients, uh, missing kid, and then we also trained him for HR. So he got some HR work in as well. Um, HR is not my favorite, so didn't do a lot of it. <laughs> I that Whoa. smell wears on you for days. It feels like yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, so so I'm a trailing guy by nature. I I do HR simply because I know 
the majority of the calls are HR, unfortunately. Yeah. Do you, uh, so they, they put out a lot of HR hides at my facility on Sunday and I have mine. And then across the parking lot, it's another big, huge building that I have access that they put in there. Dude, I couldn't go upstairs today at all yesterday or today. It yeah. stunk. And I got fans going, I got stuff open up and, um, and they, they, you know, they tell me, I'm like, yeah, go for it, man. I plan around this stuff. Um, whatever helps work now. Uh, you're trailing when you're trailing, are you trailing for, um, live people or are you yep. trailing towards a dead person? You hope you're going to find a live person. The intent is live. Um, if someone's dead at the end of the trail, that's just the unfortunate situation, but yeah, we're, we're trailing for live. And I do want to draw a distinction. It is trailing and not tracking. Um, we, I know the police side, I know you guys probably do something different in the tracking world. So we're, we're different. <laughs> so. Yeah. One of the things I'm fascinated with SAR people is so Ted and I, uh, when we're doing training, tracking dogs, and even when I was handling a dog where, I mean, an hour at the oldest, maybe uh, tracks that we're yeah. doing the, the trails that you guys are doing what <clears throat> way different. A lot of times, uh, talk about that. Yeah. So, uh, she, my, this dog behind me running around Lola, she's certified on NASAR trailing three, which is, I, I'm going to get the numbers all mixed up. I just tell them to set up my trail and I try it. I don't really pay attention to the numbers, but I think it's between two and four hours old. And that's the bottom run of the certifications. Jeez. Uh, there's a, there's a 30 minute one just to give in people an intro into it, but it, we don't really consider that a field ready certification. Um, and then all the way up to, um, you know, some, some people say you can't go past, I know Jeff Shetler has a way of, he, he tends to say you can't go past 24 hours. Uh, I know people who have tried it. Um, there's some question as to whether the science actually proves out whether they were leading their dog or not and all that stuff. But yeah, the, we, we try age trails, the pit bull running around here, the little, we call her our Holstein, the little black and white one. Um, she, uh, she ran a 19 hour trail one time. The handler knew the trail, so we couldn't say it was double blind, but she, I mean, she was working and she was performing. So it, it can be done. Yeah. We, um, I always tell my guys, uh, listen, don't say no over the radio. At least don't ever, don't ever say no, go out, give it a shot. We don't do age tracks like that. When I was a handler, the oldest track I ever did was two hours old, uh, two suicidal lovebirds. I actually found them. They were alive. Um, and the dog I used was, um, not the greatest tracking dog. He was not the one that I would have called out for that, but I was the one working. And uh, we actually found him. I was probably of all the f bites and all the chases and all the dope and everything I found. That was probably my favorite. What's the, favorite uh, the DOJ thing that we always talk about. We've talked about it before. What do they say? Like, and it was from 2012 or 13 or something. They talked about how um, only like what? 27, 29% of law enforcement tracks are successful. Um, uh, and, I, yeah. I thought it was like 11 or 13%. It, whatever it is, but they define, like when you read it, they say the success that determines success is they find the person they're looking for. Oh, um, well, which was. you, well, yeah. So it's kind of like, well, I mean, and we've had that whole conversation multiple times on the podcast about dudes getting picked up by the girlfriends or the homeboys or something, uh, or in this Cell case, phones and cars. Yeah. Or in this case with the search and rescue is they end up 
end up not being lost anymore and not telling anybody or nobody knows and they end up finding their way out or whatever else or it could be in a wrong area like you send somebody you get bad information and you get sent to the wrong area speaking of which Brentley, how often does that happen like as you guys get called out right so he starts i asked the question and he starts fucking laughing uh, like, more, more gonna, than you would think I, well you yeah so i mean because i mean give me a typical call like with law enforcement right typically our guys are chasing people that have committed um if i'm not going to go through graham but everybody's listening to this the cop you know what i'm talking about they've done something and we're looking for them and it's pretty fresh usually um unless it's a different deal like with a like a like a like a uh, tactical team or something but for the most part it's pretty fresh like it's anywhere from you know 20 40 minutes to a couple hours um your case is how long is it when they're like hey this person's gone and we don't know where they're at <laughs> and like by the way we think they could be this direction i mean you guys are just fucking walking around in the woods like we could be right we could be wrong so what in a lot of cases that's the way it goes yeah god that would be infuriating on my end like how, so what did that what does that information look like when you bring these calls in what information are you gathering to kind of like narrow down search direction search whatever whatever your parameters are so i can uh, before i get into too much that I, I i'm allowed to talk about our cases but i have to stay generic except for the still smoking one we got permission on that one so okay that's um, cool just just fyi we operate as independent contractors in a sense that whatever we produce belongs to the department not to us so that's fine um, um so generally i'm going to hold it up in the camera and it may not show very well this is the the what we call the bible for sar this is the lost person behavior book um there's actually an app out now Robert Kester compiled statistics on searches and has been doing so for probably 20 years. So if we get a dementia patient who's a certain age or a certain build type or has certain equipment, we can look up the stats in this book and determine statistically where they'll likely be. What and the? that's all that's all pre-planning. So we use that and we use a program called Sartopo to pre-plan. And I, I can show you guys, uh, if there's a way for me to do it, the Sartopo map for still smoking when we get to that point. Um, and so that allows us to build wow. statistics and try to narrow down our search areas. Are they always going to be 100%? No, stats aren't, but, you know, better than nothing. Um, so that's that's what we hope for. And if if we get a call, we can hammer out a plan pretty quick within minutes, usually, as long as we have good data on the subject. Damn. So what does that data look like? I mean, obviously age and uh, like, I mean, like, what does the data look like that you're evaluating in terms of? Uh, well, that's a new book. I'm not going to open it. Um, so there's, <laughs> <laughs> it's going back to the today, sorry, I'm not going to use that one. So there's a lot of stats in there. Like uh, at 30 minutes, a person of this age with dementia would be this far from their last point seen. Uh, it may be maybe a third of a mile. Well, they do everything in meters, maybe 300 meters, maybe 700 meters, maybe a kilometer. And and then, you know, or 75 percent of the cases were found within 1.2 kilometers of their last point. So that's the stats. And we use that on a map to build range rings and to build plot our areas based on terrain and everything else. Um, we know that, you know, a dementia patient can easily cross a barbed wire fence that they couldn't do when they were not out of their mind. Um, we know that uh, kids will be attracted to water, or sorry, um, autism will be attracted to water. So if we're looking for an autistic kid, we're gonna go look at the ponds and the lakes in, the, in that certain search area first. We're gonna narrow down as much as we can our search area and set our priorities that way and then 
go from there. Now, a lot of that is not for trailing. Trailing is here's the last point seen, put the dog's nose on it and hope you find a trail. So that's different. Right. And that's the thing. Like, so listening to this, I'm, we interviewed Mick Bonet from, uh, we interviewed Mick Bonet from at the time he was the Tulsa County Sheriff's office. And now he's at another agency, just the next County over. And, um, but when he was on, cause he did tracking when he was in the military as well, and it was all visual tracking, but it was visual tracking for people that were trying to evade. So his point of view and a lot of the people listening to this that are in law enforcement's point of view is from people that are actively trying to evade you. And the, um, there's a whole set cause there's a, there's not like a book like you have, but there's a whole like body of work about people that are trying to evade capture about what they do and what they don't do. And it's interesting because I had no clue that there was a, like a book that's like, Oh, if they're a dimension patient, this old, this is what they're likely going to do. And I mean, it makes sense because actuary tables for insurance. So I can, I can see how like that would be a thing. Um, but it's interesting to see that, um, there's a lot more statistical analysis behind it behind rather than just you dudes running around out in the woods, like looking for lost yeah. people. So, um, that said, how often is that information, um, that you're given good, I guess, or help. I, I, I mean, the information that comes from the initial report, not necessarily from the book. Yeah. So the information that comes in the initial report, it depends a lot on the officer taking the report and the family giving the report. You know how that goes in police work. Um, right. You may get the truth. I mean, we've had people tell us their kid was autistic, thinking that that would improve their chance, our chances of finding them. When it turned out their kid wasn't autistic, and that totally messed up our plan. Um, because autistic kids, we can almost guarantee you are going to be found in or near water. Um, Non-autistic kids generally aren't. So it totally changes how you search when someone lies to you. <laughs> but but it does happen. Uh, we've had. Uh, uh, I can think of one suicide mission down in southern Oklahoma. We already knew the guy had committed suicide. We were looking for his body two weeks later. Um, they, you know, we were wondering is is it is it going to be gunshot wound? Is it going to be hanging? Is it? And they didn't have that information, and we were finally yes. asking them. Okay, so go inventory his guns. That hadn't been done yet. So inventory his guns. Let me know what's missing. And through that, we were able to figure out that a shotgun was missing, and that's how he chose to to take care of himself. So do you guys, uh, during training, uh, role play where you're like, okay, you're going to be a, uh, you know, 85 year old dementia patient. Um, and this, and they look up in the book and they can see typical behaviors and then they go off and lay their trail and kind of mimic that. Is that something you guys do? In, in some ways we do, we, we joke, we all act like dementia patients anyway, so it's pretty easy to do. Um, so, but generally speaking, for our set so we train every saturday uh usually for about four or five hours and then we train every thursday evening as well um so so we're putting in about 10 hours of training a week that's predominantly just setting up tr problems for the dogs probably like you guys do at buildings um setting up hides for hr <laughs> setting up trails things like that Fuck, 10 um, hours a week most of our dudes get 16 hours a month minimum or, yeah, or like, yeah. that's it like, and then getting that's a fucking struggle so yeah, and your your guys, that's their job because they're police, right? So we this is all this is all secondary job to us. We we have our day jobs too. So it, it can be a mess, but we do it and and we do it because we know that 
it's not so much we got to keep the dog current because you guys know how that works. You teach a dog one thing and he can do it. He can skip a couple weeks and go right back to it without a problem. But it's us humans that forget. And I may forget what my dog does in a certain certain situation. And I got to relearn how to read my dog again. Um, so every week. Yep. So let me ask you this um, real quick. Do you find it beneficial for a, for a trailing dog handler to also go take classes and learn uh, ground trailing, man, man trailing without a dog. Do you think that's a good combination? Or do you think they second guess the dog too much or do you think it makes a, a more well-rounded searcher? Uh, well-rounded, definitely. So, so we say that your dog will come and go, but you will always be a searcher. Dogs lifespans 12, 13 years. You may get eight years of that working in the field. What are you going to do? When, when you retire that dog, you're still a searcher. We don't want to lose that knowledge. So we're going to train you to be a searcher first, regardless of whether you have a dog or not, you're going to be a ground pounder. And that includes basic man tracking. Um, and then of course, we're always encouraging people to further their skills. Uh, there's, there's several man trackers out there that are teaching just awesome courses right now. And we occasionally, you know, there's some of them that will say on the weekends, we'll come and volunteer to teach you all man tracking because we know we can get a paid gig from the police department during the week. So we take advantage <laughs> of that stuff nice. and, and we do it as much as we can. Um, yeah, especially with the trailing dog, man tracking can be vitally important. I, I may work a double blind trail, but if I know who I'm looking for and even in training and I know that she's wearing a certain shoe and I see that footprint, that gives me a little bit more confidence that my dog's doing what I want it to do. And that feels good. Um, we always say the funnest trail to run is a snow trail because you know exactly where the prints are, you know, you know where the yeah. person is and yeah. the dogs love it. So it's, yeah. it's a joy to do that. Yeah. Man tracking is, is very important to us. Not only that basic grid searching, understanding what is human evidence, what is animal evidence, things like that. That's we're we're eyes. We're not just holding on to a lead. I need to hook you guys up with Mick. He's at Osage County now, but he's the fucking world hide and go seek. He's the hide and go seek world champion. Like that dude, like he'll find people that don't even know they're fucking lost. I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking I took some training with him. Was he with Spearpoint training? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I know Brian and him. Yeah. I yeah. knew that name. Yeah. Them, them, them dudes will find you if you're lost. And if you're not that lost, that was an intense know. dude. Yeah. <laughs> he, Mick, Mick is Mick's a good guy and he is definitely. He's, uh, he's, he's, yeah. he's not a big fan of canine handlers. <laughs> no, he's, I mean, he is when it comes time to bite fools. Like he's like, yeah, go ahead. And he's like, he's like, I'll find him. You can bite him. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> there, there was a lot of snarky comments going back and forth in class that day. I think I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. I, most of them are good natured. I'm sure. Yeah, um, yeah. We're going to take a break real quick. When we come back, we're going to talk about Ruben and Lola and uh, talk about some of the successes and anything funny so um yeah so don't fast forward through the commercials we say this all the time and i'm sure you do but if you do we put the uh discounts in the discount codes in the show notes so we'll be back in just a second hits canine training conference this is america's premier canine training seminar packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and eric all covering important topics there's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers breeders and trainers hits 2022 is being held in orlando florida this year august 16th through the 19th and i know how you guys are everybody waits the last minute and in the post rona world everybody's training budgets are being cut and everybody's deciding whether they're going to be able to get to go or not so don't wait because they're not going to have an infinite number of spots 
and the price goes up after a certain date. So get signed up as soon as possible. It's in Orlando. We'll see you there. Be sure to hit them up. Hits K9, letter K number nine dot net. One of the best relationships we have in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at Kinetic Dog Food. The story of Kinetic uh, Performance Dog Food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog a higher energy level, better performance, and better overall health through superior nutrition. So they formulated a line of food based on what they considered to be the optimal profile of a performing of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you if you want. Um, I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there. And uh, 32K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26K works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts of the year. Winter's different than summer. It's uh, it's really a well-run, good dog food um, company, kineticdogfood.com. Be sure to check them out on social media too, man. They're, they're amazing folks, kineticdogfood.com. By now, you've probably all heard my story at least once. I'm usually getting tagged by dogs or hurting myself. So this next product is like near and dear to me because I actually use it. Uh, Quick Turn by Vet Care. It does great for keeping small things from turning into big ones. I use it at the kennel for uh, clients' dogs that have some issues with skin stuff or have food allergies or have environmental allergies. Works great. Keeps hot spots from making giant hot spots. And it keeps my working dogs who inevitably find magnificent ways to hurt themselves from turning it into a giant vet visit stops little issues from becoming big ones so it comes in a spray it comes in an ointment comes in a dressing it's great for creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing you really only have to use it like once a day so there's no reason not to have it in the vehicle since it's temperature stable you don't got to worry about it getting hot getting cold or anything like that so put it in your first aid kit or put it in your cabinet vetcare.us on the internet quick derm by vetcare on the inner on instagram and on facebook and then hit them up with the discount code one zero wdr for 10 percent off your first order so my entire time that i was a handler or a trainer in law enforcement the cars at my department in the departments that i trained all had american aluminum accessory kennels in the cars different cars man dodge chargers all ford models some chevys uh suvs cars everything we loved american aluminum accessories um it's a great product a great company they've been serving uh canine law enforcement community for over 20 years if you check out their uh, website ez that's the letter z ezrideronline.com they got testimonials they got videos on how to they got a list of everything they have uh just today we made a post on the working dog radio social media showing a dog that survived a really bad crash because of the american aluminum kennel in the back of the car Check them out online, guys. Easyrideronline.com. Just let them do their thing, man. Whatever car you got for your work, your patrol car, get a hold of them, American Aluminum Accessories, and get the best in the business. Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't going to be able to travel, whether it be instructors or they be and handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. 
And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FL, FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to Tactical Police Canine Training, that's letter K number nine, training.com and use the discount code WDR30, you'll get 30% off of that course. All right, we are back, uh, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite with uh, Bradley Morris from Canine Search OK, uh, 501C3 here in Oklahoma, uh, talking about <laughs> what people do when they get lost and how to find them and use the book and uh, talking about how they train more than canine <laughs> police canine handlers and they don't fucking get paid for it. So um, I might buy that book. I might get a book. You know, I was thinking that too. And I was like, man, I think I kind of want to read that now just be, just for no other reason than, I, I mean, because I've read all the law enforcement stuff about, you know, people take right hand and right hands when they open doors. And, you know, if they come to a section, most people will do this. And like, you know, it's the whole like psychology behind the way people run and why they do it. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting just to read as well. Um, shit, we may have Logan put it in the show notes. Uh -huh. um, so if you're going to go that far, I would say there's also an app. He's, he switched from a book to an app. The book is 2004. Oh, was, I think the last time you updated it, the app stays pretty current. Oh um, shit! And it's it's on iPhone, I, you know, all the platforms. Uh, let's see if I can. Get I'm gonna look it up you. here while we're talking. It's just all called right. lost lost person behavior. I think it's ten dollars. That's just an app. Yeah, yeah. And it's a I lot easier to search for statistics. A, I would think that was a game in the app store. If I looked at it, I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> if I hadn't go yeah, seek it. I fucking Pokemon with people. So uh, I got to catch them all. So um, your first dog was Ruben. So talk a little bit about like the first time you guys got a call out. And then I want to hear a story or so about the times that, and I ask this to a lot of guests or one of us does. Um, I'm glad the dog was here. Like, holy shit, I'm glad the dog was here because. So tell us a little bit about the first call out. Uh, the first call out is actually the funniest. We were. Perfect. I was li living up in Missouri at the time, and um, I was the only one in town that could take the call, so I took the call. Uh, the team I was with out there, we operated individually. This team, we operate as a group. We go out as a group, so a little bit different. But we took the call, and we show up, and the firefighters, local volunteer fire department was going to flank me, which um, fl flanking, we like to always have somebody behind us watching us because you never know what's going to happen to us or our dogs. Um he had the, the one that was chosen was not in the greatest of shape um, to flank me. And we were about, it was about a 45 minute run through the woods to get to the missing subject. And halfway through, I look back and he's gone. I can't find my flanker mm -hmm. anywhere. And this is my first real mission. So I, I'm, I'm just as green as my dog is. So we, we stumble through and we keep working it. And uh, we find the kid, the kid was about six years old. He had a really high fever and he was uh, hallucinating and, and walked away from his family. Um, cool. and, uh, when, when the dog found him, um, I'm sorry, I have a dog about to throw up. It looks like nice. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That, always <laughs> perfect timing. Isn't it? Um, when the dog found him, uh, you know, I'm at the end of a 30 foot lead he, dog gets to him before I do. And we hasn't really trained my dog in a, a good final response yet, what he should do. And so he just naturally started licking the kid, licking his face and everything. And, and the kid wakes up screaming, he's eating me, he's eating me. <laughs> and at that point, I have to calm the kid down and hopefully have a flanker to help me carry him out of the woods, which I didn't. 
So it was just me and the dog um, and the kid, you know, he was a little frantic naturally. Um, that was, that was our first experience. And after that, I learned, yeah, you're going to learn a train final response or refined or something. You're not going to sit there and lick my subject. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we got out of the woods and, and the, the firefighter who was um, definitely not in shape to be a firefighter was sitting on the step of a fire truck. The guy that's flanking me and he had twisted his ankle um, and decided to walk himself back to the fire department. I didn't have radios, didn't have, you know, learned a lot that day, a lot of what you should not do. Um, but luckily it was, it's a successful search, but let me, let me preface, preface that by saying all searches in our opinion are successful because we will tell you where they're not. And that's just as important as telling you where they are. I mean, good point. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, I've been there, done that. You know, I was part of a, uh, a law enforcement, um, search for, it was 2000. God, man, 17, I think it was that famous country singer that him and uh, his buddy had gone duck hunting on New Year's Eve out in K County, which is out west of here. Um, and he had disappeared. Uh, super big storm came through. It was like a name, one of those weird ass Oklahoma or not just one of the winter storms that was named. Um, and on top of that, the water was really high, a lot of wind, super cold, cold as shit. And, um, Highway Patrol had us out and we brought in uh, FEMA members from the St. Louis area. And um, they assured us up and down that the dog, that the kid was in the water or the guy was in the water because they'd found his buddy and they'd found a, um, uh, an Arctic or a, like a Yeti cooler that had floated over with the wind and they found their John boat. Um, the dogs um, and the troopers had been out there for a couple of days already or a day i think and the dogs had and they had managed to not find the footprints coming across a sandbar the dogs found um and then they're like okay well he's still in the water he has to be so they had radars they had the the creepy fish hooks so they dragged the bottom and that kind of shit to snag dead bodies um and one of the we had a dog in a boat um doing water finds and then we had a dog on land where they found the uh cooler and the John boat and they were kind of working that area and they stopped them and said, Hey, we've done this already on horseback. You don't need to go up here. You don't need to go up here. It's already, it's already been done. And I distinctly remember standing on the beach of this with the handler who I know and his dog, who I also know kept trying to go uphill and it was obvious changes of behavior. Um, on the law enforcement side, I would have said the dog is an odor. Like it's a hundred percent. The dog was an odor. Um, they assured us that he wasn't. So three days later, uh, they ended up finding the kid a hundred yards up the hill, um, from where we were at. And they, they just happened to miss him because he's wearing camouflage and the helicopter didn't see him. And the, I guess they were, I don't know if they were on horses or on four wheelers or whatever, but they assured us that it had been searched. So knowing where they're not is a very, very interesting and is a very important fact so I, yeah that you're right i mean every search can be successful in that sense without a doubt yeah and and you mentioned camo we, turkey hunters have got to be the worst to go searching for those guys know how to hide <laughs> <laughs> what the, yeah I, that's funny so what um do you ever use do you ever have to use uh either dog to go find searchers Thankfully, not yet. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure the day's coming when when we'll do that, and I'm sure that person will get razzed beyond belief. But so far, that hasn't happened. We uh, 
so the last couple of years I've trained, I've taught at this, um, or kind of been a facilitator of training groups, uh, up at Miscatatuck, uh, MUTC, which is in Indiana, which is a amazing, uh, place to train dogs and military units train up and everything, but they have, um, these caves and this year two ladies went into the caves and got lost and we had to send another person in with a dog to go find them. It's pretty cool. And she did, she found them. They were definitely lost inside those caves. They're long. Like I get, I just, I didn't know till this year that you go at least two miles back underground. If you keep going the wrong way, if you keep just taking a certain succession of turns and crawling under things. And so they, they didn't go back two miles, but they were definitely lost inside there for a long time. So, what um, with Ruben? What is what was your favorite call out with him? Probably would have been up north from here. It was so heavy, heavy snow. I think I don't remember the year, but we had like fourteen inches of snow in for Oklahoma. That's not normal. Yeah, it was like um, two thousand fifteen or sixteen. <laughs> I was I was thinking two thousand eleven. I couldn't. He, uh, he passed away in fifteen, so it was probably earlier than that. I just can't remember the actual year. Um, and we take the call and we go up there. It was before I was on this current team. So yeah, it would have to be before 2014. And the, the family gives me their briefing and the cops are there and, and they give me a briefing. Okay, well, we'll go outside and just start working. I said, this is snow, so this should be pretty easy. Um, it was easy for the dog. It wasn't easy for me because I, you know, 14 inches of snow and I'm 270 pounds. I think he doesn't. So it, I slowed him down a lot, but, but the trail itself, the kid had walked away out behind their house and was just going out in the woods. He was 13 or 14 and uh, he was just going to go out in the woods and he just hadn't come in in the evening and they were worried. Well, there, there were easily footprints to follow. So I didn't really even need the dog. Um, but I worked it anyway with the dog just for the fun of it. Um, that was probably my favorite search just because it's, it's a real search. My dog is really working and I have actual proof he's on the trail. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, snow trails are just one of my favorite things to work and to get to do that in a mission was, was pretty awesome. Guys will still screw that up. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, we, yeah we, we're all, wow. we always say we're lucky because if we find somebody, cause we, there, we could have easily screwed it up. Yeah. <laughs> Like they go under some pine trees. There's no snow anymore. Oh my gosh, what are we doing? And then there's pine needles and you can't track on pine needles. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Ruben retires. He's passed away. We got Lola seeing Lola walk around. If you get on YouTube, a couple awesome things are happening. One, um, there's, uh, a peaty looking dog, the, the, the pit bull, I'm assuming the white and black one walking around. Yeah. Uh, Lola's walking around back here. We got a random dude in the back. In a, in a room back here chilling out which is awesome and and bradley is the first person ever on our podcast to smoke a pipe so yes and ted's shirt i'm not even gonna tell you what it says you gotta come to youtube and watch it <laughs> i halfway through the interview i realized what i was wearing and i'm like <laughs> it's a brand Listen, it brings them over come on over it's a YouTube. brand like everyone yeah. that sees it don't know what it if you know what it is it's helps us i'm not even gonna mention it but anyway so tell um, us about Lola. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, unlike unlike Ruben, Lola has not been trained to trail with me smoking a pipe. Ruben used to love me smoking a pipe when I trailed. Um, Lola is currently, she's certified at Sartec Trailing 3. Um, we, that just happened back in April. We had our first call back in May. Um, so we, we're, we're still green with her. Um, of course, she's not my first dog, so I don't consider myself green anymore. But 
Um, she's still green, and we started doing HR with her. She seems to be picking up on it. Um, she's not scared of it or anything. It's just a matter of training at this point, and we'll we'll still continue down the trailing path. I expect to get her to trailing certify her uh, trailing one level at some point, but that takes time. Um, our first call was kind of comical. We uh, we show up and there's a person from the police department in the room in the house with the family and and uh, they're 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 doing their thing they're prepping a press release and all the other stuff and I'm getting information from the family and the officer looks at me and says I hope your dog has a good nose this kid's been missing for four hours and it took everything in me not to say well four hours is our lowest certification mm. <laughs> so so yeah, tend to think I different like, <laughs> like step aside son <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's just police they you guys they train different uh, and yeah, i get we, it it's it's tracking it's not trailing it's just a different mindset all right we're going to go ahead and take our next commercial break um when we come back we're going to get into the case that brought us all together um and uh see how close ted was when he was just winging it that one day kind of off the cuff i'd never heard of the case so um Definitely way far ahead for me. So stick around. Uh, again, uh, check out the show notes. Got the discount codes in there. We'll be right back. All right. We love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, they're also super smart. And they understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower. So they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there. You know, you put in denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. You get on there under training the online course, but here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor, canine supervisor course, which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training. They don't know as much as they should right here online. Uh, the course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers, proper deployment, effective allocation and utilization, as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from, interdepartmental. Uh, the course can be taken at your convenience, and you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, they're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no-brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues and you can't go Get on tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision. Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The Dogtra guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. They're the best. They are revolutionizing the way you communicate with the dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands-free, 1900S hands-free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got Dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR one zero they give you 10 percent off a single item over 200 bucks so if you're looking at a 1900s or that ball popper pro or one of those things it'll knock a substantial chunk off there so hit them up doctor.com wdr one zero 
So everybody knows that Ted and I uh, not only train police dogs, we train pet dogs, right? We train dogs. So it's why our relationship with Ray Allen manufacturing is so important. These guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog people that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to rayallen.com. They have everything dog related you need, anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs you're training for other departments, anything you need, rayallen.com. Uh, they've got it. You can get on there. So if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side, you can get it all in one, man. They ship it out. Got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail. They also are great to us and they offer a discount code working dog radio, all capital letters, working dog radio for 10% off. Check them out. RayAllen.com. Great people. Ted and I use them every day. Super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of the law enforcement community. Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they've evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of, canine inserts. Most of, every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you if you're not even have to be in law enforcement. I have several friends that are civilians that work. <laughs> lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too so you got one that fits you can do it uh they also do contraband and animal control systems just to name a few so be sure to hit them up the website is easy rider online so that's the letter e the letter z as in zebra rideronline.com if you're looking for them on instagram and facebook it's american aluminum accessories feel free to hit them up there too so our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is arno out out at ALM, uh, out there in, in Las Vegas area. Arno is a great dude. He makes great stuff for, for police work and sport work, suits, tugs. I'm telling you right now, his tugs are the best in the business. You can't get any better. Multiple colors. Uh, I, I buy boxes of them from him and give them out to everybody. Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years, and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALM canine equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already, already made up. If you kind of get a kind of generic large size, maybe for everybody, the colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check them out. ALM canine equipment.com and use the discount code WD radio for 10% off. You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness and safety of dogs. And it's, it seems like it's an ever changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around everything else. So the guys at horizon structure make this as easy as possible. Literally the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups and they deliver it and you can put dogs in that day. 
and it's comes built comes on a trailer they just drop it off you plug it in put dogs in it and you're ready to rock you keep them clean you keep them safe you keep them cool in the summer and warm in the winter time and it's completely custom you can go complete mild to wild i've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside and then i've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that you know had smaller gates because those things can't jump so if you reach out to them uh, they're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it or have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications and it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. Things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels. Or give them a call, 888-447-4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. All right, we are back. Uh, Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite with uh, Bradley Morris from Canine Search OK. Um, and so how this interview ended up happening is we were interviewing Sonia from ATA and, uh, we were, I made some, cause I don't remember exactly when this happened, but whenever we interviewed her is when it happened. And there was a case of a dude out in Mays County, Oklahoma, which is kind of like South Eastish of where Bradley and I are at. And, um, it was in 2018. Uh, he was reported missing. His name was Wesley Still Smoking. Obviously, the guy's Native American. And um, he was reported missing. And I think a couple of days later, they ended up finding a picture of this guy on trail cam. Um, like three or four days later, I think they found a picture of him. Hunters found a picture of him on trail cam. And he was missing. Like, they couldn't find him. They found his car. Um, they, they, they suspected that he got law or his car got stuck and he just started walking and got lost and eventually died or they don't know where, don't know how far he made it. Um, now that I know about this damn book that Bradley has, they probably could have found him had they read it because uh, I mean, and I don't know, he was elderly too. He was in his, I think he was in his mid sixties or something. Uh, or hey, that's not <laughs> not too far, like 10 years from that. <laughs> so, hey. And that's kind of the background of the case. Um, and I think it was, they found him on in like March of 2022 of this. So March of this year. So 18, so like four years he'd been missing. Um, but it was like multiple agencies that were involved. It was like Bureau of Indian Affairs, BIA, um, Cherokee Marshals, Rogers County Sheriff's Office, and then obviously Canine Search OK. And from what I gather, Bradley, it wasn't you. It was a handler named Molly Gibbs or Gibb, yes. right? Okay. Yeah. So t talk a little bit about this case and how you guys became involved. So, so and, and yeah, just to clarify that, I was flanking Molly and her dog, Little Man. So we were working as a team. So oh, yeah. um, we, you know, we, we tried to get involved in this case early on and, and you know how I mentioned it earlier, Eric, the, the, the drama can cause problems and it caused problems. And so uh, we, we kind of just stayed out of the way. It's better that we don't introduce drama into a search scene. So we stay out of the way. Um, and, and things were done different than probably we would have done them. I think the people running the search and it's not a criticism of them. It's just a lack of training. We're probably doing 
um, disaster style planning and not wilderness planning. They weren't using a statistics book. They were probably just marking out grids and searching them. Um, and, and that does not work well in the wilderness at all, but that's what they knew and that's what they did. So four years later, you know, four years on, they're still searching for this guy on occasion. And, and we get this, I, I've built a connection with Mace County and, and Rogers County and a few other counties. And we get this call and they say, you know, we, would you like to come? We say, absolutely. Let us have it. We'll come search for you. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of surreal to be on a search that's four years old, knowing that you could have maybe helped in the beginning. But the truth of the matter is we may not have found him either in the beginning. So it, it's hard to say that we would have. Um, but four years on, yeah, we were able to. Um, the, the area, and I have a map. We, I can, if, if you want me to share my screen or however you want to do that, I can show you. Yeah, map. I mean, you can show the screen. Obviously, if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, you're not going to be able to see the fucking screen. But yeah. if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. Well, that's just one reason for them to go to YouTube, isn't it? There you go. Um, and I, you'll have to give me permissions to share whenever you want me to do that. But um, so, so we, we show up on the search. Uh, we get the briefing and everything. And we're, we're paired up with the OSBI folks, which uh, really great people love working with them. Um, and, and we deploy to an area. We, we work north of the, where the vehicle was found and for half a day. And in total, I think I only walked maybe two miles, but that was spread out over five hours. So it's really grueling on your body. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not like you're just out walking. You're yeah. stumbling around in the woods. There's places I actually got hemmed in where I couldn't get out. I had to, you know, break some little sapling trees to get myself back out. It was, it was woods um, and very thick woods. Um, so we, we deploy, we go up north toward the trail cam, and then we start working back south, back toward the vehicle. And we we're basically just, you know, when you're running an area dog, the dog may not be in scent. You got to cover your area, whether your dog's in scent or not. So you are basically guiding that dog until it gets in scent and then it's guiding you. Um, that's, that's generally how an area dog works in SAR. So, and even HR for that matter. So we're, we, we have a very large plot we're working. Um, I'd have to, I don't know if I could estimate it real quick, but I know it's probably at least 30 acres of just thick, thick woods. Um, and we came back for lunch and then we went back out and started back on our area and it was on our way back out of the woods that we basically stumbled across him. We were 30 feet, 30, 40 feet away from the body when the dog gave indication and we followed him in and, and had we not been in that specific spot, there was no wind. Um, had we not been in that specific spot, we wouldn't have found him probably. So like most things in in law enforcement with the area search or in dogs are you kind of just following this area and getting a uh, looking for a change of behavior is that what we're going for so um i can't really do it on this map so, so imagine a square let's say 20 40 acres mm -hmm. i'm going to probably section that off in my head and, and either go around the perimeter once and then make an x through the area or i'm just going to start zigzagging in the area my, my movement in that area is simply to say that i put my dog in every possible place he could be to pick up a scent cone that's my job it's the dog's job to tell me hey there's scent cone here i'm going to follow it to its source but until he's in that scent cone, I gotta I gotta basically guide him through that area. So there's there's several ways to do that. Every handler has their preference, and terrain usually dictates and wind dictates how we do that because we like to work into the wind when we can. Um, for areas, searching anyway. trailing, of course, we want 
the wind at our back, but that never happens for us. Um, so yeah, you're, you're basically just zigzagging and, and plowing through the woods and letting the dog range away from you. Our area dogs work off leash. This dog had about a 50 meter range from its handler uh, either side. So, you know, it could, it could cover a lot of ground, but even in that thick woods, if it doesn't see its handler, it gets a little anxious and comes back. So, so what am I looking at here? I mean, if you're on YouTube, like you can see what we're looking at and we can kind of describe, but um, I'm immediately, I'm, I'm kind of like looking at the legend here. So I'm kind of like trying to figure this out, but I, Eric, do we have software like this for law enforcement? I don't think so. Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't think we do. Well, the good thing do. is this is free. I, I think I pay 50 bucks a month for it or a year for it. So wow. in, in law enforcement code. times, it's uh, in, in law enforcement lingo, that would be free, right? 50 bucks a year? Yeah. Uh, no, free would be free in law enforcement. <laughs> yeah, bitch. Free would be pay me to use it, motherfucker, in law enforcement. Bucks. Yeah, 50 bucks. I don't get paid for that. Fuck that shit. Yeah, so no. the, the license I have for it, I think, is actually 250, but they give discounts to SAR volunteers, so I get it for 50 a year. That's cool. Yeah, uh, it's it's done by Caltopo. Uh, it's it's a really great app. I mean, it's there's even a phone app. We can live track resources in the field if there's good cell signal, things like that. But um, so what you see over here in the left is um, anything that's prefixed with stats was our pre-planning data, uh, dispersion angle, range rings. You see these black rings. That's all based on that that book or that data we use the app for it now but that data um track offsets things like that we, we weren't planning on doing any trailing at four years old so that was kind of irrelevant but you know if, if we knew he worked a walked a specific track because we had him on trail camera and that was a, a well-defined trail that he was on um so if we needed to do some kind of dispersion angles or track offsets we could um but what you're basically seeing is the stats um this blue triangle would have been probably what I would have said, let's work first. Uh, we had another team up there, so we didn't have to do that. We were actually working down here. And you'll see where we were working and where we found the body wasn't even in my recommended stats. So stats aren't perfect, um, but they, they can really help us. Um, we got lucky this day. So the other things you'll see in here is everyone on our team carries a GPS. So you'll see the GPS and even the dogs have GPS collars on them. So we, we import all the information just so it's there for evidence if they need it. Again, um, I, 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 Mays County has given me permission to share this or I would not be sharing this with you all, but um, the subject found um, right there. Um, and, and you see, when I say we worked north, we were started all the way up here and we were coming down and then we came down this way and found the subject. His vehicle was right there. Oh, I was going to ask what that other one was. Yeah. And yeah, where... that's 396 feet. Uh, I think I said yards, 396 meters, maybe away. So he was found 300 was. yards or 400 yards away from his fucking car. Yeah. But we had him was. on, we had him on trail cam all the way up here. Oh, so wow. he, he actually walked all that distance and came back. And we're thinking he may have did what, and this is just assumption because we, you know, we can't ask him, but we're thinking he may have actually did what we did. When we were walking back, we took a spur trail by accident and came this way. And then that's how we found him. Had we stayed on the defined trail, we never would have found him. So it's, we're, we're making the assumption maybe he took that same spur trail and wound up getting trapped in this very thick woods and couldn't get out. Um, so the yellow, green, and blue triangles that you have 
uh, on there. You guys pre-put that data in as yeah. this stats would tell us this is where we should be yeah. outer, inner, super inner perimeter. And that's that and that is based on the last known location because yeah, of the trail, that's cam. The trail cam. Yeah, yeah. That trail cam right there. Interesting. Um, and and, and just his, going off his, of st statistics at that point. Yeah, and his defined direction of travel. We We had him... Oh, I see. Since his car was down here and the trail cam was here, we assumed he was traveling this way. So our focus was going to be to the northeast as well. And there's a major road there, uh, so I would have made the same. I would have made the same yeah. assumption. Like, yeah, I would have the least passive path of least resistance to the road because his car ran out of gas, is what they said, or they speculated. I don't. Know, yeah, it was it was out of gas. Yeah. Okay. So, so. for those who aren't looking, and we're we're looking at a um, basically a satellite image of of the search area, and we're showing all the the um, GPS uh, monitors on the humans and the dog. What does this terrain look like for those who can't really tell from the from? Well, I can give you a couple of views, but frankly, thick woods. Um, <laughs> there's your there's your topo. So this is a cliff down to I can't. I think it's the Grand River. Um, yeah. Ted, you might know it's yeah, it's, it's Shoto Bend. For those yeah. in Oklahoma, know Shoto Bend. It's Shoto Bend, um, and at one point they wanted us to search this is like we're going to save that for another day <laughs> yeah because right. that that's... those lines are really close together <laughs> pass <laughs> nope you, satellite image doesn't tell you the incline but a topo does and, and that's bad yeah. um i mean i guess especially it makes for sense. oklahoma <laughs> i mean i guess it makes sense like i mean he stayed relatively where it was relatively flat i mean and tried to take the path of least resistance <laughs> To get yeah. to a known area and then ended up getting lost and going back to what he knew. So, and man. and we're if if we assume, assumed right and if we assume that he did what we did, you, we got to this southern uh, drop off. I mean, and and we turned. We said, oh, so I ain't going to go down that. Let's just walk it. If we're going to do anything, we're going to switch back it. And then that's when we found him. So we didn't even have to switch back it. So yeah, it was rough, rough terrain and briars you couldn't see through. Yeah, um, the video from like the news, like they had helicopter footage and they had stuff from like the actual site. They had like, and I mean, it's if, if you're not from this area of the country, it, I mean, it, it's super thick, like forest, like scrub ass trees that are growing, you know, 18 inches apart and super thick. You can't see 40 yards. I mean, it sucks. And it yeah, sucks. And, and it sucks fucking tracking through it. It sucks being out in it, and it's terrible. So, and if you just imagine that, you know, I, I said my my trail I think was one point five miles, something like that, for a five six hour day. That's very slow moving, and it's because we couldn't move any faster. Yeah, the terrain brutal. was just bad. So in uh, the map here, you, you come down, you go west. Um, you're coming, you're going south. You go west. You really don't have much of a choice the topography where did the did the dog air scent where did the dog pick this up you think while we're looking at this well i'd have to zoom in really close you can actually see on the track where um we start veering oh yeah our, our intent our intent was just to come straight across but we start veering up and then oh he's in scent he's doing something and bam subject found um huh so yeah no shit how long that's have you been fucking there? crazy four years four years, years. Uh, it it was just skeletal remains at that point, and I think it was total remains. I don't think there was much scatter. Uh, we we take into account animal scatter a lot. Um, I don't think there was much. His his wallet and his clothing were all there. His wallet looked like it had been dumped out. All the cards were spread out, but it didn't look like 
crime scene type thing. It was more like animals were doing it. What what brought you out there that day, or, or people out there four years later? Um, yeah. this is private property, and the the ranch, the owner of the ranch, had been very open to letting people search but at some point he just has to say you know i got a business to run i can't keep letting you guys disrupt my ranch Mm -hmm. and so he was going to give them one last month a go at it and they basically don't do uh, ranch work on mondays that's kind of like their day off so um we would have four mondays during that month to get it done and luckily we found him on the first monday but they were they were just getting as many people as they could to come out and search because they wanted they wanted to post 60 or 70 people out there. I mean, there was, yeah. it was a large, because when that happened, they, somebody before it happened, I don't I have to go back and look at my text or somebody texted me or I don't know something. They're like, are you available? I'm like, well, one, this isn't my thing. Or like I find people and bite them. That's not what we're doing. Like we don't do this. And I was like, and I was, and I didn't, I think I was out of town, I think even, and I was like, nah, we're not. But then I remember seeing it and then we had Sonya on and I was like, no shit, this is the thing. Like they were looking for this dude. I didn't know the whole backstory behind. I mean, I knew like what was on the news. I just kind of like regurgitated it, but I got some, since then I've done some, like I read quite a bit more into it and it was a crazy story. Like his wife got in a car wreck and he was going to Tulsa to coming up here to see his wife and car ran out of gas and he was going to walk to like it was a fucking crazy ass story and i think the osba the osbi got involved and so did the bia and because he's native and they were just kind of like yeah they searched a little bit it sounds like and they're like yeah you just we can't find him and uh, at one point they'd even said that like you had said they walk if you're looking at the map still he walked off and then tried to like get into the river somehow and fucking drowned and they were like yeah we can't find his body so he drowned because the river was only a couple hundred feet away so uh, and it's a big river like part of the grand yeah. river dam authority which is a major power production thing here so it's an interesting uh deal but it's interesting that you're st- so how does that um play with the stats so if you uh, actually let me back up if you were to go back and now put your um last known point at the car instead and obviously the map we're looking at right now shows last known as trail cam because that's where he was at but if we move that that question mark back to his car which then would have been the last known port he was within 300 meters of that uh Uh, of his car yeah let me get you an exact distance oh doesn't necessarily have to be exact but well, I want to make sure I'm stating the right thing. I can't yes, remember. it does. Exactly. 400, 400 <laughs> meters, 406 meters that time. But Holy of shit. course, a meter at this resolution is, you know, well, like a mean, dot. Still, right, right. I mean, a meter at this resolution in this terrain is like <laughs> not close. But so is that a road right there that I'm looking it's at? It's um, off the side of the road. Yeah, it's it's a so it's basically so the dashed lines indicate what they call jeep trails and i don't think i would take a jeep down them um in this case but this was a road up to a little house here Hmm. um i say a house i think it may have actually been a barn i can't remember um and then the rest of that was just a if if you're familiar with fire breaks i would probably call it a fire break more than i would a road What, Um, what do they think he was doing out there uh, not sure. Uh, the family thinks he may have been starting to have dementia, so he may not even have been sure what he was doing out there. So the upside of this for you guys is, you know, 
because uh, his wife is where a woman they found him was she's still alive correct i do believe so I yeah think, so I think they moved him back to north dakota or south dakota yep right so um obviously the family now knows that he didn't drown uh which is what the the main thing was they're like oh no he went and swam in the river and drowned and his bodies end up in the mississippi or out in the gulf of mexico um so talk a little bit about how uh and talk a little bit about how it turned out that law the interaction with law enforcement that you found him uh that the the volunteer guys found him and then how the family was the reaction from the family so we didn't we didn't actually see the family that day um we don't always get to i shouldn't say that we, we actually prefer not to be around the family um just because you know how dogs noses work if if right. i'm looking for someone who lives in the same house that dog's going to be distracted by that person standing right next to me so uh, we try to avoid being with the family and it just so happened we didn't the family wasn't out there that day because it's four years on and you know they're not going to go every time there's a search um the police interaction was frankly mays county is one of the best departments i've had the pleasure of working with and we work with a lot of sheriff's departments uh, yeah they just retired they one nice of our dogs people. yep they retired they had titan was one of our dogs and did a great job over there with his handler ray yeah and then uh, ne next door to them is rogers county and then it's tulsa county well rogers county has probably one of the largest search and rescue reserve units in the state um so they were all there they they were actually <laughs> It just so happens they were working up in what our statistical area put them. They were working up here. Um, and I didn't put them there. I didn't do the planning on this. I did our planning, but I didn't do planning for the overall incident. Um, and, and then they paired us with OSBI. So there was five of our team and then four OSBI folks. Um, it was kind of, we, we joked it was law enforcement versus non-law enforcement because we were paired with OSBI as an investigation uh, group. So the volunteers and the investigators were paired together and all the law enforcement were up there working on their own. Um, it was just a running joke throughout the day. There was no hard feelings or anything, but uh, it, it was, you know, that's just how it was. And um, the, I say OSBI, there was also BI really led the charge on this toward the end there because of the new um, missing and endangered. Yeah. Murdered. I, uh, MMP, I can't remember what their initials now, their new unit, it was there. Yeah. And then they had people from, from BIA as well. That was uh, crime scene folks was there helping us as well. Um, and they're, they're really pushing to find all of the native people who have not been found. I mean, it's as a Cherokee, it's a, it's a humbling thing and I'm glad someone's finally doing it. Yeah. And the whole thing going on in Canada too, with all the schools and the kids. And so it's become a, a big issue. I remember, um, so the canine units, are, well, so Bureau of Indian Affairs is a massive agency and they have jurisdiction anywhere that we have an Indian reservation in the United States. And it's basically the FBI for, um, the Indian tribes and the Indian nations, uh, because of our unique position in the United States, um, Eastern Oklahoma now after the McGirt decision is all reservation, uh, the head guy for canine for the BIA, his name's Max Odin. He's down here in Muskogee. Great dude, great trainer, um, and super funny, um, super humble guy. I trained with him multiple times, great guy. But I can imagine that, um, and those guys, I mean, because they're fed, I mean, they have all the fucking money in the world. <laughs> and then they're Native American the tribes too, so they have all the cool shit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's great that we found um, 
still smoking out in the woods. Um, so since this has happened, have you guys had anything else? Obviously, you don't have to be super specific, but have you had any other call-outs that have been successful? Well, it was it was kind of a little bit ironic in that we were going through a dry period of no calls, and uh, we did a call to a county to, uh, for a county to the north of us that's kind of known as a, a somewhat of a body dump in in law enforcement arenas. Uh-huh. You probably know the one. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, so we had yeah. just worked that the weekend before, and then we did this, and some of the same guys, mm-hmm. the deputies we were working with up there, happened to be on this one as well. You know, it's 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 fun to interact with people you know real well when you're on a search. I mean, they, they're really good people. Um, and so after this, it kind of reinstilled their confidence in us. And yeah, you guys need to come out and keep searching for us, keep searching for us. But right now, I think they have... I, I can't speak specific, but I think they're looking for four different uh, uh, missing, um, likely crime scene, uh, criminal, you know, criminal activity missing up in that county. And then we have a couple of more counties to the north of that we're also working with. Um, it's it's surprising when, when and I, it, as much as we sometimes hate the media, uh, the media really put our name out there for us and we get a lot of calls of people so you know we, we we have some dead people missing come find them unfortunately that's that's kind of the the way it goes in oklahoma it's find them after they die unfortunately but yeah uh, sorry mo yeah <laughs> well we don't have good health care here so it's just like we wait till they die then we go find them we don't take care of them when they're alive why would we do that well uh, and, and there was a there was sense. a case down in in a, a county to the south of us where the guy was missing for four days uh he was calling for help he was uh diabetic he was trapped in the woods near a lake he was calling for help but no one could locate where he was calling from i literally calling out not on a phone um and they had trackers and everybody come out and search for four days and we were begging them to let us search you know come on let us do it you know we got dogs we got everything we know where the truck is we can run a trail but four days later you can't uh we went out and within an hour and eight minutes from our deployment we had found him of course, deceased. And it's just, that was just like, you know, man, why couldn't we have come the first day? You know, it, it really yeah. does get to you. Did he die from exposure? Uh, lack of having, I think it was a diabetic coma. Lack of unable, he wasn't able to get his meds. What the fuck? Yeah, it happens. It's unfortunate, but that's, that's, that's generally how it goes in Oklahoma. We, we don't tend to focus on them right away. It's just unfortunate. So, we are called working dog radio. So we're going to give a little bit of credit here. We're going to back up here to this big case, this still smoking case. We kind of brushed over real quick. The dog. Let's talk about oh, yeah. the dog, the dog's yeah. name, uh, Little what, man. what happened. And what I'm curious about that mile and a half, two miles, whatever you did in five hours, what did that look like for the dog? How did the rest stuff work? Cause like, again, from law enforcement side, not really used to having to carry water and rest dogs on trails. So we carry a minimum of four, if you're a handler, you have to carry a minimum of four liters of water uh, for a typical day. Um, and, and generally we spread that out amongst the flankers because water weighs a lot. The liter of water is a kilo. Um, so th- there was a lot of water. Um, he, he had, it was, it wasn't a really hot day, but it's a really humid day. Um, he, he has ability to tell his mom when he needs or his handler when he needs a break. He's pretty good about that. So she she took several breaks with him and made sure he had water and rest. And she would occasionally just go throw a toy and let him have something fun to do um, just because they, they will get bored. We talk about nose time for a dog. Um, working in an area like this is grueling for a dog. I mean, when, when on Saturday, they're used to, 
you know, deploying in an area and in training and being done in five minutes, 10 minutes. And here we have them out there all day. It's, it's hard to replicate that in training. It really is. Um, so they get bored. What's his name? His name is little man. Um, but I think she spells it L I L apostrophe man. Of course. Yeah. That's how I spell it. Yeah. He's a, he's a rescue from the more tornadoes of 20. Oof, I can't remember what year. Um, anyway, one of the big tornadoes down in Moore, he was found as a puppy, um, and she, oh, she took him in. Yeah, she rescues pit bulls. Um, and he's a pity. Oh yeah, he's a pity. He's a wow. <laughs> see. That's the one thing I got right when I was just fucking speaking out of my ass. I was like, yeah, they used a fucking pit bull and found him. And, yeah, and, and you actually said that pit bull looking thing, and our hair yeah, because they showed like, a picture what? of him. They showed a picture of him on the news. Right? He's not just a pit bull looking thing. He's a pit bull. They, the thing that they like the picture. They didn't even show a picture of still smoking. They showed a picture of the dog. <laughs> Which whatever. But I yeah. was like, I was like, it was like a pit bull looking thing. I mean, yeah, <laughs> so, it was. Pit bulls, pit bulls have a bad rap, but man, they are some of the best search dogs you'll ever have. They love to work. The good um, ones, and that he's search, one of them. Um, yeah. There, there was a pit bull that was uh, a cleat. I mean, that was a narcotics dog here in Oklahoma for a while. Um, that was pretty good. Uh, I think her name was Flower, if I remember right. But yeah, so uh, interesting. Um, yeah, so little man, little man is a pit bull. See, I was right. That's the, like the one thing I got right. And so that's how this whole thing came to be. Is like I made some stupid comment. Well, not stupid, just I regurgitated what I read in the news and because it was relevant to the interview. And then somebody was like, if you want to hear the real story, you should have have us on. I was like, well, OK, what's what's <laughs> funny is someone well, here we are a link to the podcast the same day I was on Facebook correcting everybody's statements about the search, because there was a lot of people who were upset that he was so close to his car and not found for four years. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot, I mean, there was a lot of people mad about it. And I was trying to say, you know, we weren't in there on the national search, but I can tell you it took all day. That woods was well, a nightmare. And on top of that, let's be honest, like that is not, I mean, cops have and law enforcement in general, like they're basically the Swiss army knives of public servants. Like they got to do all right. kinds of shit, right? Like that's not their job. And yeah. we have a few people in law enforcement like Mick that that is their job like that's their thing they go play hide and go seek for a living and i mean that to be fair like i, I well, saw the trail that. cam too that trail cam yeah i'm starting up there for sure yeah, no who, and exactly backs I up. Mean, yeah nobody and goes backwards i saw like a lot of the public comments uh from people and they're probably going to listen to this and if they do they can bite me but they were given mays county shit and you know some of the other i don't remember which like city was there which city i don't think it was fort gibson but whatever city it is they're like, you know, okay there you go and oh, see they have a dog too connor um so I was like, you know, that's not their job. And I mean, it is and it isn't. And I mean, they're not they're not trained in that. They're like, yeah, this is how we find people. And really, the only people in law enforcement that are trained to find people are canine handlers or like helicopter pilots. And sometimes like guys like Mick that are like man trackers. But by and large, they're looking for criminals. And yeah. they're looking for people that are like actively trying to evade them, not people that go a mile and a half and then backtrack in on them. And so... And, and that's... That's exactly what we tell law enforcement. I, I don't expect a law enforcement, a law officer to go out, you know, on a Saturday and train for 10 hours. I, that's not going to happen. Not for SAR. I mean, we don't expect that. We know they can't. We want to fill no. that gap. 
because no. we love doing it. Yeah, and in, 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 in Oklahoma, missing person search and rescue falls under sheriff unless sheriff turns it over to the city. And so most of the time it's in the sheriff's hands and sheriffs love volunteers. I mean, because they know they don't have the staff to do it. Yeah. I have that conversation with admins all the time. I'm, I'm like, you know, it's not your money, right? Like if you spend it, like, it's not like it's coming out of your pocket. You don't get a bonus for keeping it at the end of the year. So I had that conversation the other day with an Oklahoma agency. So um, speaking of which, how do you guys fundraise? Like, so do you fundraise? How do you fundraise? Because I, I'm oh, if you want to, if you want to send me a check, I'll give you our address. Well, we saying? can do that. I mean, <laughs> it'd be, we can, it's probably easier. Like you can donate via PayPal, right? Yeah. So uh, we have a donate link on our website, k9searchok.com. And that's K in the number nine. Um, we also on our Facebook page can donate through Facebook, but of course we like PayPal better because Facebook takes a large percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course yeah. we take checks. We've, we've had families hand us checks on searches and we really feel bad about that because it feels like they're paying us to search and we don't ever want that attitude yeah but we won't turn it down because they you know they they feel like they want to do it so um but yeah we're all we're, we're pretty much donation funded um it, it, a lot of it and sorry you see my kid in the background working his hrd see, dog training the dog yeah yeah she's she's uh he just turned 18 she's three years old she's been doing hr for a while so about to get certified um and she's a pit bull <laughs> she's one of those pitbull things um but yeah so we 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 are self-funded we, <laughs> we we pay for our own gas we we take donations and and i'll, I'll be honest our bank account right now for our organization is probably about four thousand but at the end of the year 1200 of that goes to insurance and we try to you know we never know what what we're going to have so we don't spend a lot of money we expect people on our team to pay for their own stuff but, you know, if, if someone had a hard time and said, I can't afford gas to go on a search, yeah, we're going to fill their tank. Um, but, you know, generally we don't we don't pay for gear or anything, dog or dog food or any of that. It's all out of our pocket. Um, and, you know, we, we just do the best we can. We actually charged started charging dues for our team about three years ago, $100 a year per member. And that was just to cover the insurance because the insurance Man, was killing Inflation us. is bad. You got to pay to have a fucking job now. What the fuck? <laughs> I saw an advertisement the other day for an internship, and obviously it was in like New York. And they're like, "Oh, you have to pay us to come and work here." I'm like, what? Well, guys, so what we uh, tell them like, is, how does that work? What we tell them is, you're not you're not paying to have work; you're paying to get covered on insurance. So yeah, yeah you better yeah, pay those I, um, I understand. I'm <laughs> being a smart. Those ass, but... those lawsuits are a pain in the butt if you don't have insurance. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I believe me. I know. So, uh, yeah. So head to canine search dot. Okay. Or can fuck, hold on. It's canine search. Okay.com. Um, yeah. and there's a donate link, um, there, uh, I had to send you there's a- also a, how to join link. We're always looking for new members. Um, yeah, there you go. How to, and one of the, I looked at that earlier and like number four is like, is it expensive? And you just said, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, page. okay. I, I wrote that page probably about two years ago because I got tired of yes, answering those questions. And that was the one that came up the most. And yeah, it's going to be expensive. Sorry. Yeah, it's going to be Nothing expensive. Nothing you can do about it. I do <laughs> yeah. like that you have that how to join because Ted and I, and probably every canine trainer there is, gets asked by civilians, how do I get involved in search and rescue? Yeah. And, you know, years ago, it was tough. It was hard. It's hard to break into a group. They're, they were a little closed off. But... um but now at least you can get on some websites and look. And if you're yeah. in that, that Oklahoma area there and listening to this, if you got a 
If you got a pit bull, he will find somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot of SAR groups tend to be a little elitist, and I understand why. I mean, they, they put a lot of work in. They want to make sure they're doing a good thing. But we need people. I mean, frankly, we we if we get a call during the week, we may have two or three volunteers available because of jobs. So we need people. Damn. So yeah, there you go. Social media? Yep. We're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash canine search. Okay. All right, go check them out on there. Ted, what about you? Uh, Ted underscore Summers on Instagram. Uh, Torchlight Canine, letter K number nine. Torchlight Canine or Torchlight Canine Pets, uh, all on Instagram. Same thing on Facebook. Uh, canine is obviously the police dogs, and the other uh, pets one is obviously the pet stuff. Um, we uh, and then we have working dog radio, working underscore dog underscore radio on work, uh, Instagram and on, uh, Facebook and then HRD police canine. Uh, we just introduced or announced some new dates. Uh, we're going to Puxatawney, Pennsylvania to see this, to see the groundhog, uh, Puxatawney PD is hosting us. So that's going to be fun. We're going back to San Antonio, which is where HRD started. It's the first one. So bear County sheriff's office is hosting us again. Uh, and where else are we going? I have to go back and look. We ended up, I mean, oh, we're going back to Hammond, Indiana. Uh, outside of Chicago, we went during COVID, uh, and it was creepy. So mm -hmm. <laughs> like, we're going back up there. Uh, so we've got, we're pretty much booked through the end of the year and you and I are going to be at hits in August. Correct. Yep. Yep. We're, we got a booth. Yeah. We're going to be there for meet and greet. Everybody can come by and say hi. And then Ted and I are going to be teaching our, um, uh, scenario based training, uh, class that we do. So. It's it, coming up, guys. It's coming Orlando, up. Orlando, don't wait to sign up. I know you motherfuckers wait till the last second to sign up. You're like, oh, I gotta wait for the approval. Like, and I get it. It's admins. But uh yeah, don't wait till the last minute. Uh and for everyone that asks me, you can't bring your dog to this one. This is not a dog one. Don't bring your fucking dog to Orlando. Um, so yeah, there's that. When we were at the one and fucking we were at Blue Line, one of the Philly PD guys was trying to fucking tow cop cars with dogs in it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking asshole, you dickhead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah did try to tow cars from Florida and <laughs> with dogs in him. And he's like, Oh, we got a fucking we got a race on Sunday, we got to get these cars out of here. We're like, Bro, it's Tuesday, it Wednesday. Yeah, it's fucking Tuesday, it's Wednesday. Shut up, get out of here. Uh, where are you at on social media? Van S Canine on Instagram, that's the best place to go check it out. We have I own Ridgeside Canine, Ohio. We got pet stuff uh, on Instagram and Facebook, Ridge, uh, RSK9 Ohio on Instagram, Ridside K9 Ohio. Doggy daycare, training pet pictures. Um, I had an intern, uh, I almost forgot, an intern start today. Named Steven, he's an army handler. He was stationed at um, uh, Fort Campbell. And the army does this bridge program, they call it, where they'll, they come out six months left before the ETS and uh, the army pays them you know, their salary rents them a, a house or a duplex or something. And then um, they, they then do an internship in a profession. So he's coming to work for me to learn the uh, pet side. And uh, from what I'm told, uh, well, you know, what I'm told by his supervisors, he was a great handler in the army. And uh, uh, my manager, Amanda said, he's great today. And I met him. Nice guy. So we're looking forward to that. He'll be here from June until November. And then uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll probably have some work for him after that if he's going to stick around. So that's cool. Yep, it's pretty neat. 
for sure well bradley this has been uh and this has been a great interview um and so if you're watching if you're listening to this you can go to youtube and like look at the map the software is actually pretty neat i'm gonna look at that because uh it's actually pretty cool and i will have um we'll hunt down the book as well oh actually it's a map or it's an app so it's uh yeah we'll do that sorry so, yeah, I that software is fucking insane. Um, I, of course, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, I shouldn't be surprised, I should say. But um, yeah, Bradley, thanks for coming on, man. I'll have yeah, to have somebody me. show me how to use that because I'm still like lighting fire with sticks. So Nasar has a course for $30 on their academy that'll teach you how to use it. Yeah. See? There you go. Bradley's <laughs> just full in between cokes on that pipe. He's spewing smoke and information. Just. Here's a book that you should all be using. Look at this software. Exactly. Right. I love there it. There you go. Perfect. Good dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks again, Bradley. This was a pretty, this is a great interview. Um, I think it's going to be well received. So um, yeah, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, yeah. So we'll catch everybody in the next one. Cool. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E.blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.